Daily Drive is brought to you by eBay Motors. Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. I'm Steve Smith with Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, October 21st. The saga surrounding former Nissan chairman Carlos Ghosn is one made for Hollywood, complete with a clandestine mission planned and executed by a former Green Beret and his son that smuggled the once automotive titan out of Japan. In a box. Hans Greimel, Automotive News Asia editor and co-author of Collision Course, Carlos Ghosn and the Culture Wars that Upended an Auto Empire, says life in Lebanon for the former automotive executive is likely not the one he envisioned his retirement would be. At the same time, Greimel, who sat down with Ghosn via video chat on October 13th, says the executive is still in the game by consulting to startups and others that continue to seek his advice. He also has aspirations to perhaps return to the boardroom, something that may be difficult given a 2019 settlement with the SEC that bans Ghosn from serving as an officer or director of a U.S. publicly traded company for 10 years. When that ban lifts in 2029... Gone, today 67, will be in his mid-70s. For now, Gone is continuing to rigorously defend his innocence on a number of legal fronts. His fight also includes the publication last month of a tell-all book with another book planned. He's also filed complaint in Lebanon against some Nissan executives, the company's law firm, and the Tokyo prosecutor's office. What's the latest on the legal hurdles Gone faces? What does he say about the cases against former Nissan executive Greg Kelly and the two individuals who helped him escape from Japan? And how does Ghosn feel about the automotive alliance he once led? We've reached Hans Greimel, Automotive News Asia editor in Tokyo. Hans, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. It's good to speak with you. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me today, Steve. Before we delve into your interview with Ghosn last week, how's he feeling? What's life like living in Lebanon? His life in Lebanon is probably not how he imagined himself living in retirement or, you know, after having left the auto industry. Uh, Lebanon is a tough place for anyone to live. I think uh, Carlos Ghosn has, uh, is well, um, more well-heeled than the average Lebanese, of course. So uh, he has a level of comfort and security that uh, the average Lebanese can enjoy. But it's a, it's a rough and tumble place to live. It's uh beset with political unrest and economic um, uh, troubles these days. Um, but uh, I think he is living in the house that is being contested with uh, with uh, the ownership of which is being contested with um, Nissan. It's the, the famous uh, pink mansion that you see kind of in downtown uh, Le- in Beirut that is often shown in the media. It's a rather uh, beautiful uh old house on a leafy street his health seems to be fine he uh he looks healthy acts healthy is the same old uh gone hyper rational very uh quick on the trigger with lots of facts and figures at his fingertips he seems to have not lost a step uh in terms of his uh, interaction with other people so i think that uh uh, aside from all the legal troubles he's facing i think he's uh, d- seems to be doing uh, doing fine well, the way that you describe that, 
it it's not surprising then with the rigor at which he's mounting his defense and how he's defending his innocence. Can you give us an update on the legal front on what's new, what what he's continuing to do as he defends himself? Well, he faces, of course, the most uh, important uh, thing that he faces is these uh, four indictments that he still uh, is uh, charged with here in Japan. Uh, two of them are for uh, this alleged um, uh, deferred compensation scheme that he was um, working on for that covers about eight years well, during his time at the helm of uh, Nissan. And then there are two more um uh, charges against him for breach of trust against Nissan for basically uh, allegedly um, misusing millions of dollars of of company money for personal uh, personal benefit, and uh, those are the charges that are still you know the root of this whole problem, and they're still dogging him. And because he he fled, he jumped bail here, and he left uh, Japan in at the end of 2019, as we all know, um, he still also faces the Interpol red notice. Uh, so that basically grounds him in Lebanon. He's unable to travel f- without the fear of being picked up at a international airport and sent back to Japan. So uh, these are some of the, the problems that continue to dog him. Uh, and But on top of all that, he has he's uh, being hit with a uh, almost a hundred million dollar um, civil case by Nissan here in Japan. Uh, investigators in France are still looking into similar allegations of possible financial mis or suspicion of financial misconduct in France. Uh, he still faces a um, uh, a dispute in the Netherlands about uh, back pay uh, and. Uh, at, and retirement pay at um, a uh, joint venture there from by Nissan and Mitsubishi. Uh, in that case, he was ordered to pay five million euros to um, to to the, uh, the to those two companies, and he's appealing that case. Meanwhile, he's he's even got cases as far away as uh, the British Virgin Islands, where um, where uh, Nissan is pursuing further action against Gon. Uh, related to a to a yacht that is uh, that is uh, owned by Gone. He's countersuing now as well, right? Well, he's he's yes, he's he's countersuing. He's is appealing the case in the Netherlands, for example, and also he's considering what his options are for countersuing here in Japan as well. So uh, a lot of this is still a work in progress, and you know he's got. Uh, and he just filed also a case in Lebanon against uh, some of the Japanese prosecutors and some lawyers working for uh, on behalf of Nissan uh, for basic what he says is legal entry into the country and then illegal search and search and seizure of of his home and documents and and other data at his home there. So uh, he's <laughs> you know he's got legal problems spanning the globe at this point and that keeps it's pretty much a full time job in and of its own right. And that's the same home that Nissan is contesting ownership of. That's right. That's right. But that's one of the homes that uh, Nissan was uh, paying for, for, uh, for him to live in while he was the CEO and then the chairman. And um, part of the plan was that he would be able to buy that or pay back for that, uh, take ownership of that in retirement. And I believe now they're still arguing about uh, 
who owns it and um uh and, and you know <laughs> who is entitled to to use it so i think that i i haven't i don't know the exact uh latest on that case but um that is another bone of contention between the two parties you sat down with him last week in a video conference and he gave you an update on the legal front but he also talked about getting back into the game so in the midst of all of this legal turmoil that you described he's also thinking about getting back in some way shape or form into the automotive industry can you talk a little bit about what he shared with you he was a little bit skittish in talking about it, but he said that he's still in the game. Uh, he was very clear about that, that people still come to him to seek his advice, that he has uh, consultancy services to offer, uh, uh, that he still has good advice on what's going on in the industry. And he bases that partly on the fact that he was one of the forerunners or pioneers in a lot of the trends that are now finally becoming commonplace, and that is electrification, autonomous driving, uh, the connectivity, these are, you know, the, the buzzwords of the industry today. And he was one of the, I guess, uh, you know, founding fathers of this trend back going, stretching back to, you know, the early 2000s, 2010 era. And, uh, you know, he, he says that people are still coming to him, uh, asking for his advice. He even floated the idea of one day, uh, be, eventually becoming a board member, um, maybe on some kind of automotive-related uh, comp- company. Uh, that might be a tall order because, uh, it, at least uh, in the United States, he's uh, barred from being an officer or a director at a publicly traded U.S. company for 10 years. And that's uh, that's based on the settlement that he had with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Committee or Commission. So, um, uh, he has these ambitions, or at least he has one foot in the industry to some degree. I don't know to what degree, however, he's being paid for this, or it's it's active, or what kind of companies or entities he's working with. He wouldn't name any of them. So it's um, at this point, it might amount to little more than some side projects um, or uh, uh, big talk. It's unclear at this point. But uh, he fashions, he sees himself as still having one foot in the game and uh, possibly having something to contribute to the industry that he's been a part of so long. And as his age, he's 67 now. By the time the settlement is over, he'll be 75, 76 years old. So age has a has a factor in this as well. That's right. I mean, that's, uh, you know, he, he said that uh, at his age now, he would have been winding down if not retired anyhow. I think at his at uh, 2018, when he signed on for another four years to to lead the alliance, he would have been, uh, you know, uh, 68 when he retires in 2022. So, you know, around this time, he would have been thinking about the uh, the, the golden horizon. Anyhow, um, at that point, I don't know what kind of role he expected to have. But, you know, he keeps busy with other things, other ways, too. He teaches uh, like a business seminar at, uh, at schools in, um, in uh, Lebanon. So he's trying to uh, give back a little bit in that way, at least locally, uh, as he can in Lebanon. I have to believe that is a fascinating course to sit in. <laughs> yes, I think it would be. I think it would be. We'll be right back with more. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online 
but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory, sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. What's he saying about the alliance he previously led? Well, he uh, he basically trash talks it. He, he he doesn't see much in the way of leadership there. He doesn't see much in the way of vision. Uh, he says that the two, uh, from his perspective, seem to be uh, estranged. Uh, uh, you know, estranged husband wife, estranged spouses, not even living in the same. Uh, or sleeping in the same uh, li- uh, bedroom. So uh, he thinks that they don't have much of a future. At this point, his take would be this. If they, they're not working together, then there's no point in them keeping their cross shareholdings that have you know basically bound them since day one. So he envisions that one day they will eventually sell down those, those uh, shareholdings. How that would a- actually happen is um, something he didn't elaborate on. And it's unclear what would trig- what would be the trigger point for them to sell down each other's uh, shares or uh, sell off each other's shares. Um, the wild card in that calculation, of course, is the French government's 15% holding in Renault. Uh, and I think they'd be hard-pressed to just give up their stake in um, Nissan, which they see as their crown jewel. So how the... French government would be uh, convinced or could be convinced to basically give up on Nissan uh, remains an open question to me, at least. Other folks that are tied up in this legal battle are Greg Kelly uh, and the Taylors. Both all three of those parties are in Japan. Now, I'm curious, has he shared any perspectives on the case against Kelly and the Taylors? Right. Well, uh, he has sympathy for both of all of these parties. He has sympathy for anybody that he says is wrapped up in the Japanese justice system, which he holds a dim view of. Uh, you know, he he describes it as the hostage justice hostage justice system here, because as as do a lot of uh, legal reformists in Japan, simply because of the way that the uh, rights of the suspects are here, they they have. Uh, I would say more curtailed rights than uh, you and I would have or enjoy or expect in the United States. Uh, you know, things like uh, the prosecutors ha- can 
question you for unlimited number of hours in jail uh, without the presence of your lawyers. So th these kind of things are, and, and they expect, it's kind of a system that's based on um, confession. They basically, they expect you to confess and they put um, a lot of pressure on you to confess and they hold you uh, in jail without bail um, for long periods of time uh, on on the uh, on the premise or on the strategy of trying to to win confessions like that. So that's the origin of the idea of hostage justice. And of course, uh, Gone decries uh, you know the Taylors and Greg Kelly as as um, fellow victims of that system. Gone was in a unique position because he had the um, the resources to uh, deliver himself from that to escape essentially. Uh, and that's why he said he escaped, because he says he can't get a fair trial in Japan. He often points to the 99%, uh, what's, you know, what's often cited as the 99% conviction rate here. So, uh, you know, Greg Kelly is now uh, left in Japan. He's the, the former uh, American director at Nissan, who was uh, arrested on the same day as Ghosn, and he's uh, charged as Ghosn's um, alleged accomplice. And he's here, he's still in, in Japan, actually going through the system. His trial began in September of 2020, and the verdict isn't expected until March of 2022. So it's a long, grinding uh, trial for Greg Kelly. Uh, Greg Kelly, however, doesn't have the option to, uh, to leave and to f flee back to the United States, the, probably the only place where he could do where he would go. And why is that? It's partly because uh, he, he's not as rich as Carl, uh, Carlos Ghosn, who can't maybe afford the uh, uh, the extraction team of uh, led by a Green Beret to pack him in a case and, and spirit him out of the country. But more importantly, if he goes back to the United States, probably he would be sent right back uh, and extradited back to Japan because Japan has extradition treaters with treaties with only two countries, and that is the United States and Japan. So it doesn't have one with Lebanon. So as long as, as Carlos Ghosn, who uh, holds Lebanese citizenship, can land back in Lebanon, he's pretty much beyond the reach of Japanese justice. But if Greg Kelly makes it to the United States, uh, he, he wouldn't be in the same situation. He, can't, uh, he wouldn't be that lucky. Do you ever think we'll see a resolution to these cases, given some of the ages of the people involved and how slow these legal battles have played out over the last few years? Well, we can expect a, um, a resolution probably in Greg Kelly's case uh, this spring or next spring, uh, if, you know, the spring of 2022. Uh, the prosecutors are asking for a two-year, you know, if he's found guilty, they're asking for a two-year uh, prison sentence for Greg Kelly, and he's already 65. So, you know, that would put him up into uh, into the upper 60s, let's say, if he serves out the whole thing. It's still on. on we don't know what the, the judge would give him in that in that case, if he's found guilty, whether the full two years, uh, a suspended sentence or something in between. We don't know. Um, so that case could probably wrap up. And I don't know what he would do in terms of appealing the case. Appealing what would probably just drag it on. So if he were to get a suspended sentence, let's say, and uh, found guilty, and but not um, 
but not given a sentence. Uh, maybe he would be allowed to just self-deport and get out of out of Japan, and that would be that. In which case, maybe he wouldn't bother to try to appeal it uh, because at least he'd be out of Japan. I don't know, but he his case would probably be the, the one of the first to uh, uh, clear up. And then for Carlos Ghosn, uh that could go on and on for a long time. Um, you know, drag on for years and years. That could basically occupy him for the rest of his life. And as long as those criminal um, allegations in Japan aren't cleared up, those will likely be following him around for the rest of his life. So uh, he, uh, that red notice from Interpol is really an anchor on him, keeping him grounded in Lebanon and making him watch his back, basically, for the rest of his life at this point. Hans, such a fascinating story. Congratulations to you and everything you've uh, written about and the, the story you've told. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us and giving us an update on the Carlos Cohn story. Sure thing, Steve. Thank you. That's Daily Drive for Thursday, October 21st. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>